0: Retails, From Retailers to Retailers, a podcast series brought to you by Orquest. Hello, welcome to Retails, From Retailers to Retailers, the podcast where we dig deeper into today's retail and where the industry is headed. This is Adara Gonzalez, CRO at Orquest, and in this episode, we're going to discuss fashion retail, consumption patterns, operational complexity, and much more in one of the industry's most attractive markets, the East Asian region. Bueno, bueno, bueno. Accompanying me is an expert with over 20 years in retail experience in sourcing, production, product development, purchasing, and design. She started as a buyer in H&M in Stockholm. Since then, she has been product manager and product developer for H&M in New Delhi, Hong Kong and Istanbul. She has also been product manager at Kappel, the Scandinavian fashion retail and head of buying and design and head of procurement at 68, one of the fastest growing fashion brands in Asia. Today, she's an independent business consultant and I'm very happy to have her in Retails. Nina Nelson. hi, welcome to Retails.
1: Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thank you for coming. We're, we're very, very excited. Nina, uh, you're originally from Sweden, uh, but you have been living and working in Asia, specifically in Hong Kong for more than 20 years. How did you end up in Hong
1: Kong? Oh, um, I've always been very curious and love traveling and uh when i worked with the uh, h&m uh, we had the um pleasure of traveling all over the world for work and uh, first time i came to india i was thinking i have to live here uh the fantastic colors and people and the vibrant energy so um uh, i moved there in 2001 mm-hmm. and eventually there was a job coming up uh, at H&M in Hong Kong, uh, which I couldn't resist because Hong Kong is also <laughs> a very exciting place. So uh, I was here for um, about one and a half year and then a short stint in Turkey, again, a one and a half year. I'm mm-hmm. back in Hong Kong since 2006. Uh, nice. And I still love it.
0: Very nice. Would you say Hong Kong is your home? Do you feel rooted there?
1: I feel very, uh, very at home here. Uh, for me, Hong Kong is a city that has everything. It mm-hmm. has beautiful nature. It has a, um, um, a lot of people. It's from different parts of the world, great melting pot. And nice. obviously, one thing that we all love, it's got a, re- a, a very interesting retail climate. So it fits me mm-hmm. very well.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And with all these years you have been working in retail there, uh, what can you tell us about the industry in the region, challenges, opportunities, trends, and what makes that market special?
1: Uh, yeah, when I first moved here, it was very traditional, let's say, high street fashion, entry price point fashion brands. Um Luxury has been established here for a long time. It's been a very, very important part of retail in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, but the entry price point brands kind of was missing. Um, H&M opened here 2008 and uh, Sarah a little bit before that. So then we had, we had more of the, um, like the um, high street retailers that we used to see in Europe
0: uh mm-hmm.
1: but there's still a lot of of high street um entry price point brands missing from the Hong Kong streets, but you can find them in the region in Singapore and other places but that could be um uh it could be interesting to see a little bit more variation here in Hong Kong uh, okay. one of the big challenges i guess which is even more difficult for the entry price point brands is that the um, rentals are very high here
0: oh okay
1: very high so before uh, covid pandemic hong kong was the most expensive per square foot in the whole world
0: mm-hmm. so
1: uh, london was number two and tokyo was not far behind which has kind of changed a little bit now um after COVID, so it's still very expensive, but probably a little bit more affordable for for brands to come here and set up.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. And uh, what about the consumers? What What are Hong Kong consumers like? Uh,
1: Hong Kong consumers are today very well very aware of the global trends. Uh, Mm -hmm. They spend a lot of time online doing research before they shop. They shop, make sure that they get the best deal. They might not always shop online, but the research, especially the Gen Z generation, they spend a lot of time online. Yeah. So the the brands need to give them a very great experience uh, in order for them to be return customers uh, otherwise, they tend to be very unfaithful customers, uh, the, Hong mm-hmm. Kong, uh, the Hong Kong Hong customers.
0: So the omnichannel strategy needs to be nailed down?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, uh, some brands are really good at that, some are not. So that's also another opportunity, I think, for uh, brands in Hong Kong to polish up their uh, omnichannel uh, strategy.
0: Right. I see. And you have worked with uh, several brands, uh, international brands, H&M, couple 68, old-fashioned retailers with stores in different markets and countries. In your case, you have been working in Hong Kong, obviously, but also in the Swedish, Turkish, and Indian markets. What would you say is the key to connect with consumers from all over the world while keeping the same value proposition or does that value proposition changes slightly from market to market although the, the company is global
1: i think that the um, key to connect is to make sure that the customer feel very special and that you're catering to them with a personal uh, personal approach um, one example is um, that you can't have a generic assortment for example worldwide uh, when you work with uh, the Asian customer. We have uh, special uh, events uh, through our uh, shopping calendar uh, that is specific to this region, such as uh, Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. Um, so retailers need to make sure they accommodate for for those kind of special events and make sure that the customer feel that the collection is, is specifically for them
0: right makes it all sense and 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 that in terms of par, a product but uh would you say same goes uh, also to to the store experience right like to the individual level and and that experience that they have at the store
1: yes i i believe that definitely the asian customer has a higher demand on personalized personalized service when they come into the store uh, mm. Uh, that is, they uh, they quite often want to speak to to um, someone on the floor that service them on the floor. Uh, they they have a lot of questions about the products, uh, and they also expect a very swift service. They're not very happy if they have to stand in line and wait. Mm. So, um, uh, which is uh, similar in Europe, but even more enhanced here in asia i would say
0: mm-hmm. so would you say that having the the right people at the right time is uh is it's important? key
1: very very important you're absolutely right
0: awesome and nina your, your journey has a uh, mainly mainly revolved around fashion product development and management from the start to the shopping bag uh you work with underwear children women and men clothing from your experience what are the boxes that need to be checked for a successful product? What makes a great product in fashion
1: retail? So I, I believe that a product that makes the customer feel something, feel something mm-hmm. special. Uh, in fashion, that could be, it could be a garment that makes them feel happy, a funny t-shirt or a, a, a product that has a great value for money. It doesn't have to be the cheapest and the lowest price, but a really, really good value for money uh, product. Um, so luxury is huge here in Asia. And mm-hmm. money, many girls, even very young girls, they would spend a lot of money money on a handbag because it mm-hmm. makes them feel successful. It's a status right. symbol here. And interestingly enough, luxury is the segment that bounced back quickest uh, in mainland China after COVID. So that's, um, it's going really, really well for luxury in China at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: I see, I see. Uh, to to get uh, the final product, there are many steps, right? Uh, working with product management, supplier management, quality control, budgeting, you have seen firsthand um, everything that has to do with the operation side of retail, the part behind the curtain, which makes the shopping experience possible. In, in this scenario, what would you say are the most important aspects in the retail operations?
1: Um, I, I would say that having a real efficient supply chain, so the mm-hmm. product reach um, the store just in time, is very important. And um, from there on, to make sure that your retail staff is engaged uh, and uh, have time to service the customer. As I mentioned earlier, the customer here is expecting uh, expecting uh, a face-to-face service when they come into the store. So um, I think that that's uh, the just-in-time uh, factor. I think is really important.
0: Right, because they could uh, most likely just leave if uh, they yeah, don't have that attention.
1: Exactly, fashion moves so fast. So if the product is delayed, um, it might sit there on the shelf as the customer might have bought a similar product elsewhere. As I mentioned earlier, that um, they do a lot of um, research online, so they know what's out there. Yeah. Or they might have just lost interest in the product, so uh, mm. um, and moved on.
0: Right, totally. And in in the more than 20 years that you have been in the industry, how has this operational side of the business evolved? I'm interested in knowing strong points at other points that are still uh, needing some evolution, for example.
1: Yeah, I I find it very interesting to see that in some brands that have moved on really, really fast and uh, they have changed Uh, and adopted a lot of digital solutions to make sure that um, they're efficient and agile, and some other brands are really, really stuck in the old way of working and very old, clunky tools, Excel spreadsheets for follow-up and and so on. So for me, it's a little bit of two camps. There's the new digital era, and Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of brands that are still need need to catch up i believe in order to be uh, relevant in the future i think
0: right and and going forward what do you think will be the the keys to keeping this operation as efficient as possible i imagine that the entry of technologies such as artificial intelligence uh, to demand forecast for example um would be key for for this new era
1: uh, yes, I, I agree with you. I think definitely uh, new technology is key. And I believe that the brands that have a clear picture of what services can be taken care of by AI or other digital tools, uh, that is in, in on one end of the spectrum. And uh, what services need to be taken care of uh, on a face-to-face uh, with a human person, Uh, um, either next to you or on the phone I think that that's key so efficiency Mm -hmm. is definitely key and make sure that retailers that make sure that they keep the tasks that can be automatic that they are automized uh, so the team that works in in the stores that they can have enough time to serve the customer face-to-face and give 100% attention and service.
0: Yeah, and making what um, they can add more value to the customer. Absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: The magic, right, of the human interaction. Yes. It can happen because they are not preoccupied about the things that can be done automatically by a machine. Exactly.
1: That's exactly what I mean.
0: Right. I, I totally agree. And um, so let's look at the cost uh, at the customer, the consumer. I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you state that the key is a satisfied customer. And I couldn't agree more. Making retail customers happy is also Orca's primary goal. From your experience, what is the secret to a satisfied customer? You mentioned some things earlier, but maybe you want to point out something else.
1: Yes, I think um, uh, one thing that... Um... We need to remember is that the happy customer is our best marketing tool Mm. Um, and an unhappy customer can obviously be a disaster in the in the times of social media so uh, to be able to meet them face to face and meet or exceed their expectations i think it's extremely important
0: totally agree totally agree and and consumers also are always evolving and, and always uh, asking for more and a, and a more special attention. And now there are uh, more sales channels and ways to reach them and to interact. Like you said, uh, social media, you know, online, click and collect, uh, brick and mortar. And as, as consumer expectations grow, retailers are under more pressure to find new ways to to meet those expectations and, and, and exceed them and sync all these experiences together and how strategic is the business operation side in this scenario um
1: for for me this also uh, varies a lot from brand to brand and company to company Mm -hmm. so uh, many brands are great with parts of of this journey some are very good with marketing but then missing the red thread the customer doesn't get taken care of from, from the start to the end. With the omni-channel approach, I think the customer wants to have a true seamless experience. Uh, it doesn't matter for them whether they shop online or on uh, or in store, they mm-hmm. want to have the same look and feel. So the brand needs to present itself in the same way online and uh, uh, offline. Um. And some some um, uh, great opportunities for for brands are coming up with with uh, with new um, services. For example, click and collect in China and Singapore. Uh, that that service is uh, booming, which means that you get an opportunity to actually meet your customer face to face when they mm-hmm. come into store and uh, give them a better uh, give them a an experience. With shopping with your brand face to face, so I think yeah. um, that that's really important. And,
0: and it's so beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful to be able to deliver that seamless experience to the customer. Right? It's hard.
1: But... It's very hard. I I I'm surprised. Even like really really big brands that have long long experience, they still fail in doing this. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really big white space that a lot of retailers should look into.
0: Right. I yeah. I totally see it. And you have also held uh, different leadership roles, such as head of procurement and head of buying and design, casual wear at uh, 68, for example, head of sourcing underwear and accessories at Target Australia, uh, product management at Kapal, how would you define good leadership in retail
1: um i actually don't think there's any special leadership abilities you need for retail good leadership is is pretty much the same in all industries to me Mm -hmm. and um, i have a few points that i or that i always think of and still work on but a few few things that I I try to listen more than I talk, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and to have a clear vision and also communicate it. And uh, another thing that a lot of leaders are struggling with, including me, is ask for help when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I being humble, I think is also extremely important mm-hmm. when you're a leader. Um, and build a team of passionate people that enjoy what you do. Because if you have fun at work and have passion about what you do every day, it's so much, um, so much better to get a good result. Absolutely. And another thing is, um, don't be afraid to try and fail, because you will learn. Yeah,
0: don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try and, f- and fail. What uh, a yeah. what a big thing, huh? So yeah. having that. Uh, that safe space, right? That safe space in your company that empowers you and allows you to actually try and it's okay to fail because we're in it together.
1: <coughs> yes. I, I used to work in a company um where the owner of the company was extremely committed in just try new things. And um maybe seven out of ten we failed and learned, and three out of those ten, we succeeded and was propelled forward, really. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good fun.
0: And that also, uh, you know, empowers uh, creativity and, and you know, in, in an environment where everything is changing so much, if we don't change, if we don't embrace that and and try, there is a uh, limited possibility of, of uh, keeping up and and forget about like uh, leading the wave, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Nice. I I also love the uh, listen more than you talk. That's something I I really I really like that. It's uh, yeah. I think it's important in leadership and in everything. Yes, <laughs> really. yeah,
1: very true, very true.
0: So nice. And you know, Nina, studies show that women occupying leadership roles go from 18 to 31%, depending on the area, being IT operations or sales at the lower range. Um, do you perceive this also in the retail industry?
1: Uh, yes, in some companies, definitely. Uh, it's much less women, which is interesting considering um, um, if we look at at least my my industry fashion uh, consists of most most women that's um we we do do all the shopping and even shopping for our husbands really mm-hmm. but when it comes to leadership roles it's not enough women up there
0: yeah yeah i i also perceive this and that is why i made my personal mission to give visibility to female profiles in retail leadership, you know, and this is a um, this is a special uh, special part for me because um, it's something I, I've never mentioned explicitly uh, before in in the podcast, but uh, I, I do also perceive this, and that um, is why I made my personal mission to give visibility to female profiles in retail leadership especially in the business side which i see is even less uh because you know you see in other areas of the business but not like the actual business side um when and when i say this nina uh did any name pop up in your mind that you think would be amazing and inspiring like you for us to interview in the podcast
1: oh we have so many we have so many for example one one uh, a great leader in, in uh, retail is uh, uh, H&M CEO Helena Um yeah she's um, she's very inspirational she's my age and she's running one of the biggest um, uh, retailer in the world uh, mm-hmm. and she is kind of homegrown within the industry I think she's worked within H&M for 20-25 years or something like that so um She's nice. very inspirational. This, uh, there are so many, not enough, but there are many people that are very ins- inspirational, definitely.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, uh, we'll try to get her on the podcast then <laughs> right. with your you right. nomination. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you say, uh, and I can tell your passion is uh, in, in retail, is people, product, and sustainability. Do you think those three aspects are what makes a good retailer today? And, and what else would you think it would be?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good start. Um, it's kind of the base. Uh, but um, I would add um, uh, agility. I think that's mm-hmm. why a lot of uh, retailers today are struggling because they're not agile enough. They, don't, they cannot act Very quickly. I also think um, a good connection to uh, the customer, really knowing who is your customer, and make your Mm -hmm. customer feel special, create that sense of community. Um, That is why a lot of um, 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 a a lot of influencers, for example, are really good at selling product today because uh, they they are very good at creating that sense of community. And also a brand needs to be, a brand or retailer needs to be relevant. Keep, keep evolve, uh, uh, keep learning uh, new things, new services, new products, and so on. Because even though you're a heritage brand, uh, you can't live on products and we are working as you did maybe 20, 30 years ago. You need to make sure you're relevant in today's retail space in order to survive.
0: Mm-hmm. Adapt and embrace, embrace change. And,
1: exactly. And yeah.
0: Okay. And you're a business consultant now, with with all your experience and and background, after many years in in product management. Uh, what imo- what motivated this change for you?
1: Uh, it was actually kind of an accident. <laughs> Uh, like everything and, in life <laughs> yeah like most things in life uh basically we've had quite a few challenging years in hong kong in 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 um in the city and in the industry so we started out with protests here in hong kong four years ago and then we had covid and with the covid uh, pandemic we had a lot of homeschooling so uh it kind of worked for me to work from home with my own business uh, because my I could be here with the kids and help them with the homeschooling at the same time as I keep working. I could kind of set my own schedule. So that was mm-hmm. great. And um, I'm also working with a lot of different um, clients mm-hmm. when it, and a lot of areas. So I work with branding and assortment building and business development. So... It never gets boring it's a it's very um i i learn constantly learn new things and every mm-hmm. day is different so um for me at this period of time in my life um it, it was um, a, a blessing to be able to to run my own business
0: fantastic and after so many years and and, and such a background in, in retail, I, I bet it's super, super useful to others that want to go through changes like the ones that you let and help them uh, navigate that, that I'm sure is, is fantastic and, and adds a lot of value to the market. Great. And uh, now to close a question we asked to all of our guests. What is Nina Nielsen's business philosophy? <laughs>
1: uh, good question. Um I touched on that a little bit earlier, but I would say that it's better to try and fail, which I consider failing is actually learning, not really a true failure, mm-hmm. than not to try at all. That's probably my philosophy.
0: I love it. Love it. And, and I share a lot of it. That's for sure. And we, uh, we come to the end Thank you very, very much, Nina. It was a delight and and very insightful conversation. Thank you so much for for your openness.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Until next time, and many thanks to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as as we did. Hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed and share the episode with your network. Thank you very much and see you next time.
1: From retailers to retailers.
0: A podcast series brought to you by Orquest.